One of the things that we're recommending is don't build your marketing automation strategy on open rates. Open rates really aren't a great metric regardless, but click-through rates are really what you should be focusing on. So if any part of your marketing automation includes open rates as a trigger, or if it's part of your overall scoring strategy, I would definitely change that now. next in commerce, we're always looking for, well, what's up next? How should brands be thinking about their omni-channel strategies? What are some of the new platforms or channels top brands are testing out? How is the e-commerce and retail landscape evolving? With 2021 coming to a close, it's time to look a little closer at all of those questions and try to answer them for brands looking ahead to 2022. On this episode, I was so excited to welcome back Kayla Schwartz, the Senior Manager of Consumer Insights and Strategy at Salesforce. We dug into some of the stats, data, and insights her team has gathered in order to give some tips and advice to brands that want to get ahead and stay ahead in 2022. We talked about the future of supply chains, loyalty programs, and had a debriefing on the IOS update that's causing brands across the board to shift their marketing strategies in more ways than one. There are a ton of great nuggets in this one, so enjoy and cheers to a great 2022. Really quick, I want to say thank you, thank you to our awesome sponsor, Salesforce Commerce Cloud. And I'm going to allow them to give you the inside scoop into some of the findings from their most recent State of Commerce report. Hi, this is John from Salesforce. Did you know that companies of all sizes and industries power their digital customer journeys with Commerce Cloud? Salesforce Commerce Cloud delivers B2B and B2C commerce, as well as order management around the globe. And with Commerce Cloud, you can engage with your customers anywhere and personalize interactions everywhere. Scale and innovate with ease and drive some serious growth for your business. And speaking of innovation, we recently surveyed nearly 1,400 commerce leaders and analyzed the consumer shopping and business buying behavior of more than 1 billion customers worldwide. And we uncovered emerging trends that will influence how companies can be successful and stay ahead in this ever-evolving landscape. To check out the trends we discovered, go to sfdc.co slash commerceinsights. That's sfdc.co slash commerce insights, one word. Before we dive into this episode, I was hoping you could please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It helps spread the word about the show and I would really love it. So please let me know how I'm doing and give me a rating, give me a review, let us know. All right, enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another episode of Up Next in Commerce. I'm your host, Stephanie Postles, CEO at Mission.org. And today we have Kayla Schwartz joining the show, who's a Senior Manager of Consumer Insights and Strategy at Salesforce. Kayla, welcome back, because you've already been here before. Round two. (laughs) Thank you for having me again. Yeah, super stoked to have you back. So today I heard we're talking all about 2022, which is great because I haven't done that yet. I haven't gotten to pull out the crystal ball and see how we can be thinking about helping brands and what they should be thinking about. So... I'm glad you're here. And I would love to kind of hear first, what's top of mind? Like, what's the most important thing you all are thinking about for next year? Yeah, absolutely. Well, there is so much going on every year. There's a whole new set of challenges. 2022 is not going to be any different. One of the biggest challenges I think that brands and retailers are going to face in 2022 is all around the cookie-less internet. Um, This has been talked about, you know, throughout the entire 2021 This will truly be a reality in 2022 because we know that Google is officially sunsetting cookies in the new year. 
And so really what this means is that the battle for first party data will be in full effect. And so brands and retailers and really any organization needs to be thinking about how they're going to collect first party data and not only collect it, but then store it in a way that they can actually use it for actionable insights, as well as providing a great seamless experience across all consumer touch points. So, you know, one of the things that, you know, in terms of data collection strategies that will be really important are loyalty programs. We also think that social will play a really huge role in the battle for first party data because we know that consumers are are more social than ever these days. And it's really going to come down to organic social engagement as well as influencer marketing. And then, you know, going back to the old standby emails, um, as well as SMS, push notifications, really that one-to-one relationship with your consumer, how you're going to build that and how you're going to encourage consumers to give you their data in order for you to provide a great experience for them. Yep. Yeah. We've heard a lot of people talking about that on the show. I mean, when it comes to thinking about social media, like how would you kind of pull them through to even get deeper data and insights? Like what are some mechanisms maybe that you've seen? Because when I think about like Instagram or Facebook or wherever, you can kind of get a bit of first party data, but not as much as maybe if you had their email or phone number, you know? Yeah. So like, how do you think about kind of what does the ideal state look like to really have that access? Yeah. Well, you know, you're not going to get a ton of data off of these social media platforms. They are going to hold that quite close to the chest. But it is more about that entire journey. We know that the customer journey has around nine touch points between discovery and purchase. So that's nine different ways that the consumer is interacting with your brand. And many of those ways you're not even aware of. And social, we found, is a very important tool across three points of the consumer or customer journey from discovery, research, and then post-purchase process, including service. So, you know, when we think about the role that that social plays, it's it's not going to be your primary mode of first party data collection, but it's merging that data with the data that you do have to understand your consumer, understand their wants and needs. And then it's also really important to think about how you're going to provide that in-channel experience, not just from a marketing perspective, but commerce and service as well. So, if you're providing service in channel, how you're merging those records back to your own data in order to maintain that consistent experience and keep your records clean and updated is going to be critical. So it really is about having that one source of truth about the customer. We know that this is really hard to do. Marketers, commerce executives, everyone struggles with having a lot of different data sources across a lot of different uh, in a, in a lot of different places, and they're not talking to each other. So this is going to be top of mind, I think, for nearly every executive out there going forward. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. When it comes to, I mean, getting first party data, is there any cool things that you've seen brands or companies doing where you're like, oh, that's an interesting way to try and, you know, get that first party data and get that relationship going, maybe in a more unique way than, you know, others are doing it? Yeah, well, yeah, I think the biggest opportunity right now is through that that traditional loyalty program. Mm-hmm. And I say traditional because loyalty programs have been around forever, but 
we know that today the modern consumer expects so much more out of a loyalty program. So it's not just about collecting points, right? It's about experiences. It's about new and unique ways you can deliver what the consumer expects out of that relationship. And so I think we'll see more loyalty programs headed into market, but the ones that will survive and do really well are the ones that are innovative and find innovative ways to engage their customers and collect that data. And it really is about, it's a two-way street, right? If the consumer's giving that data up, it really is up to the brand and the retailer to compensate that consumer for the data. And any additional data that you ask or prompt them for, again, it's, it's about a give and take between the consumer and the brand and retailer. And so I think that the clear winners in that space will be really, really innovative. Yeah. Yeah. We just had the North Face on the show and they were talking about their loyalty program and how they were basically reinventing the entire thing and testing a bunch of pieces within it. So they're like, yeah, we're going to maybe give away this experience or uh, maybe rentals like for snowboarding and skiing and just testing each piece to be like, how many people actually show up and want to get these rentals or want to sign up for this experience? And it was cool to see how they're essentially flipping the entire program on its head and seeing how they should rebuild it from scratch, which is yeah, awesome to hear about. Yeah, and I'm seeing so many more retailers and brands out there like rethinking their loyalty program. And I think one of the best examples of, of a loyalty program that I think speaks to the market of the, or their audience really well is the Sephora loyalty program. You know, it's been around for a really long time, but what they did really well right out of the gate was that they understood that their audience craved that community aspect. And so they've built their program around that community. And the beauty community in particular is really strong. And we know that Gen Zers are at the cusp of all of the changes and innovation happening there. And they really um, capitalize on that. And so, you know, we see that their consumers are so engaged. And I think it's in part due to that really great loyalty program that they kicked off. So it's a challenge, right? Because you can't, you can't set it and leave it. It has to constantly breathe and grow. It also does come down to who you serve and what's your audience and understanding, you know, if you do cater to that Gen Z audience, they're going to be interested in something completely different than a a baby boomer or a Gen X. And so understanding those differences as well was really critical. There's a stereotype of the average American worker whose life goes something like this. Go to work, come home, consume some kind of entertainment, go to sleep, lather, rinse, repeat. If you're listening to this ad, then I know that that life does not resonate with you. For the truly disruptive business leader, work doesn't stay at the office, and unwinding doesn't mean watching TV at night every single night. This is why we've created Mission Daily, a podcast that discusses the trends, habits, and ideas that thoughtful business people are contemplating every day. From quirky business opportunities to interesting investment ideas to the latest research in health and exercise, and alternative medicine, and maybe even plant medicine. Who knows where we're going to go, but Mission Daily covers it all. We're releasing new episodes every weekday. So join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we discuss the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about, but don't talk about. Publicly, that is. Break the status quo. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. Yeah. I mean, especially thinking about like maybe having different loyalty programs to go to, you know, different customer segments and how to keep all those running at the same time and the messaging going out. I mean, but once you hit that, 
that feels like the end goal. Like that's that's winning right there. If you can have that many different things going on and have the right messaging and track the data all in one place. Goals. Yeah, goals. It's going to be a lot of work, but that's why having that one source of truth on the customer record is going to be really important going forward. Yep. Cool. Okay. What else should we be thinking about in 2022? I mean, you guys have insights into all these amazing brands that you work with. So what else are you kind of seeing as coming down the pike right now? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think we left off the holiday season in a very interesting place. So growth was not aggressive as what we saw in 2020. So in 2020, we saw off the charts growth for digital commerce. 2021 holiday was much more modest. Um, We expected that. It really is a numbers game. We didn't expect to see that massive growth as we did in 2020. But something that we did see, which was really prevalent this year, was just the economic issues that are playing a part in the overall consumer behavior, as well as how retailers and brands are responding in real time. And really the main issue right now is the supply chain. Mm -hmm. The supply chain has really been in a difficult spot since the beginning of the pandemic. It hasn't gotten better. I don't anticipate it's going to alleviate itself for a while. The inventory crisis really hit retailers this year. We saw over Cyber Week, which is the point where we see the greatest increase in new SKUs coming to market. We actually saw a 5% decline globally. So there were far fewer SKUs. And as a result, consumers saw far fewer promotions. So the actual number of campaigns or promotional discounts that were being offered to consumers was less this year or fewer as well as the average discount rate was actually a lot less aggressive than it has been in years past. So it was around 8 10% lower than in previous years. So the consumers weren't getting as great of discounts. Prices were higher. Just because holiday is over, uh, I don't foresee those challenges going away anytime soon. So I anticipate that consumers will still continue to feel the rub uh, of those economic issues and retailers and brands will still have to deal with inventory crises. From a consumer perspective, even though they're technically spending more money, they're actually placing fewer orders and buying fewer items. Mm -hmm. So if these trends continue, I I see that also affecting the consumer in that regard as well. So it's going to be an interesting year from a supply chain perspective and how brands and retailers move to mitigate those issues will will certainly be uh, front of mind, I think, for most uh, people in the industry. Yeah. So what do you think companies should do when it comes to supply chain? Like, What's your personal opinion on how a company should be thinking about this this year? Yeah. You know, a lot of people disagree with me on this, but I really think that suppliers manufacturers need to be thinking about how they can move their manufacturing closer to the source of demand, moving it closer to the United States or or other major demand sources, I think is really going to be critical. It's also better for the environment overall to shorten that supply chain process. I think that is really what the industry needs to be thinking about in 2022. And, you know, People will disagree. There's a lot of processes built up overseas to support manufacturing there, but I don't foresee this resolving itself anytime soon. And I think it would be great to bring manufacturing closer closer to demand. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, companies like Hello Bella would agree. We just talked to them uh, a few weeks ago and 
they have a you know a plant here in Texas operating, and it's awesome. interesting hearing how they were thinking about you know doing that, bringing it here, why it actually might be saving money in the long term. Yeah. And I was telling them, I'm like, I think you all need to present a case study on what it looks like opening you know a plant here in Texas and what were the you know decisions behind that and how should a company be like weighing the pros and cons with it because they were super stoked about it they're like we can you know have 800 diapers pumping out a minute we can change them at the drop of a hat we can implement new designs we can you know check on everything we're given tours of our plant and yeah to me I was like well that's pretty inspirational and I think a lot brands don't know if that's even possible, which it is. Yeah. And you've got celebrities showing you the way. Here you go. <laughs> Kristen and Dax, go them. Exactly. And you know, when manufacturing moved overseas, it really was a risk reward analysis mm-hmm. where the reward outweighed the risk. And that was many, many years ago. At this point now, that's not the case. It's riskier to have your supply chain so far away and or your manufacturing so far away. Um, we're seeing why that's the case right now. I think a lot of people are opposed to it because it's not the norm, but we've talked to so many customers like, you know, who you just mentioned who do have manufacturing here and really did well this year because they could make those quick changes. They didn't have to rely on the supply chain uh, coming overseas, the ports, all of that. To some degree, yes, there is still, you know, some material that would be shipped or parts or things like that. But for, for the most part, they were in control and it, it was, a, it was, they had a totally different experience this past year mm-hmm. than, than other companies. So it is very, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Let's hit on one more point Okay, around what should we be expecting this year? What should companies be thinking about your third biggest thing? So my third update is it's a sneaky little change that Apple announced this fall and has completely implemented as of the end of November, which is changes to their uh, email privacy in regards to their mail app in particular. It really is two main things that this change does. It essentially, for consumers or Apple users that manage their email through iMail, whether or not it's a Gmail uh, account or, or whatever, Apple will automatically mark those emails as opened. Um, or read, even if they were never opened. So nearly all emails will look like they've been opened. And then the second part of it is that Apple will auto-generate an email address for consumers that sign up for a new uh, product or service. So there's two real components here. It's it's how that's going to affect uh, your marketing strategy and also how that's going to affect your customer data if you have all of these email addresses floating around um, for, for one single customer. So when we you know, think forward to 2022, how that's going to affect your marketing strategy could be quite significant, especially if your marketing strategy is built around or includes open rates as a metric. So one of the things that we're, we're recommending is don't build your, your, your marketing automation strategy on open rates. Open rates really aren't a great metric, even regardless. But click-through rates are really what you should be focusing on. So if any part of your marketing automation includes open rates as a trigger or opens as a trigger, or if it's part of your um, overall scoring strategy, I would definitely change that now. That is definitely step one. And the, the next component is really going to be how do you improve engagement within the email itself? So thinking about how you can embed forms or click-throughs, like what type of engagement or content can you provide in the actual body of the email that will make readers click or tap or engage? Um, That's really going to be uh, critical for uh, improving those click-through rates in this 
new reality um, that Apple is, is forcing on marketers. So, so those are our two biggest recommendations. The other components really around, you know, how you're, you're going to unify your data, especially in regards to the cookie-less internet. But I think this update also is going to make that really important. So thinking about how, you know, you're going to have that single source of truth for the customer, even if that customer has a bunch of different emails <laughs> being generated for them, you know, bringing it back to that unifying data, having that one source of truth is going to be a critical theme in 2022. Yep. Completely agree. Thanks for sharing that. That's very helpful having the uh, too long, don't read version of it because I myself did not fully dive into it. So I very much appreciate that. Kayla, thank you so much for coming on here and joining us again. Um, Until next time, next year, when you join us again, I'm sure, where can brands (laughs) stay on top of these trends, see what you all are researching and finding out, like where should a company go? Yeah, absolutely. Well, my recommendation is to start with our shopping index. It's a quarterly benchmark which we offer free on the salesforce.com website. It's got a bunch of different e-commerce metrics that we're tracking and you can break it down by country or vertical. Got about 10 different uh, KPIs that we we follow there and it's trending over nine quarters. So there's a lot of data in there. So I'd start there and then there's a lot of great follow-up resources within there as well. Love it. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. listeners. Thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.